Oh, it's cracking lovely people. Welcome to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. I'm your host as always, Matt Gardner, and I'm a nutritional therapist specialising in sports nutrition. Thanks for downloading and listening in. The podcast generally focuses on nutrition, movement and outdoor experiences. At this point, I've got over 140 episodes. I'm nearing the end of season three. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me. And as always, I hope you find something useful. After listening to this show as well, look back and see which other titles resonate with you. The show is supported by 33 Fuel, who produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. Now use Matt 10 at checkout for your first order you'll gain 10% off with that code. Now I use their chia seed energy gels on my bimbles. Like I've said in the past, I usually try and run an ultra marathon once a year and those chia seed energy gels I'll utilize in my training, I'll utilize on race day. I use a tablespoon of their greens powder every morning in a smoothie or I'll just neck it with water. So it's all good stuff. If you're keen on exploring natural sports nutrition products for fueling recovery purposes, then definitely take a look. The show is also supported by Attack the Day. Now, Attack the Day was founded three years ago by two best mates, Sam and Rory, who met through rowing. And they've gone on now to compete in Ironmans against each other. Um, They run ATD and seek to inspire others through a shared passion for mountaineering, outdoor adventures and all things fitness. So ATD combined fitness adventures in the outdoors in order to bring together a community of like-minded athletes and weekend warriors who love getting out for epic adventures and inspiring each other to live more active, healthy lifestyle. So as I listen to the show, you can gain a healthy discount on their clothing by using the code MAT20 for 20% discount on your first order. So check them out for great outdoor adventure and lifestyle clothing. Now, if you like the show, as always, please share it with someone, lovely people. Ultimately, it's the only way the show will grow. And also, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Leave me a comment or review on Apple Podcasts. That would be mega. And you'll get the new episode in your feed each week. So today, in this episode, I'm speaking to Dr. James Blur Griffiths. Now, James is a medical doctor, safari guide, and is involved in sports medicine and expedition medicine. To date, James has travelled to 74 countries worldwide in every continent except Antarctica. You can keep up with him on Insta via Doctor in the Wild, and I've put a link in the show notes to his blog. Really looking forward to this one, lovely people, and I hope you find something useful. James, it is a pleasure to have you on the pod. Welcome to the show. And um, yeah, how is life with you at the moment? Uh, thanks, Matt. Yeah, it's great to be on the podcast. Um, yeah, life's life's okay at the moment. I'm yeah, 26 years old, and I'm currently um, an F3, so local doctor uh, in the NHS, um, working currently in infectious diseases and general medicine uh, in Worcestershire. And um, alongside that, I'm just doing a bit of bit of work for the Worcester Warriors when needed. Their Premiership rugby team in the UK. Um, so yeah, life's okay. Obviously, everything's a bit off kilter with COVID, um, and it has been since March um, when I was working in A and E for eight months. Um, but I'm glad to be off A and E now, a bit more settled. But yeah, life's life's good. May that's excellent to hear, and I'm definitely keen, and I'm sure the listeners are keen as well to dig into a bit of what you're doing at the moment. But I think. It'd be brilliant to explore some of your past because obviously 
especially after listening to the show like i said at the start i've put your instagram handle your blog and things in the show notes and people are going to dive onto your instagram mate and and read some of your words so immediately people are going to see a lot of the wildlife you've taken photos of um some fantastic scenery you know you really out there traveling so could we get a little bit about how how you got into that and then obviously hopefully we can maybe go down the the strand of um you becoming a safari guide i know that's a bit of a blanket term i'm keen to get into that and understand exactly what that means so um yeah how how did you first get into some of this expedition medicine uh traveling and 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 working and and moving around all of these countries mate um yeah sure let's let's dive into it um, so actually, I was—I've been very lucky in the fact that my um, my dad is involved in the safari industry. Um, so actually, since about the age of three was when I was first carted off by my parents to uh, Southern Africa. Um, so I've been going there sort of every year, sort of three or four times a year with my parents because uh, my dad's business is all out there. Um, so I basically spent a large proportion of my childhood growing up in um, sort of southern Africa, uh, especially Botswana and Namibia. Um, and that's what kicked off my passion for wildlife. Um, I mean, growing up, you know, in on summer holidays in the African bush, there wasn't really much technology out there. You couldn't go on a phone, couldn't go on a computer. So kind of got interested in the wildlife because um, it was one of the main things to do out there. And um, actually, it was my mum who gave me one of her old hand-me-down cameras um, just to sort of keep me occupied. And that's what really got me into photography. So that's what really kicked it off. Um, and sometimes at the time, especially as a sort of grumpy teenager, maybe sort of 13, 14, I didn't sort of see the benefits of it at the time, you know, being stuck for the whole summer out in Botswana with no phone signal, no MSN. Um, was pretty packed off um, because my parents had, you know, taken me out there. But now it's, you know, looking back back on it, it's an experience that, you know, very few people would have been privileged to have. Um, so, so that's a little bit about my childhood. I mean, I was I was born in Worcestershire. Um, I've always, you know, the family home has always been in Worcestershire. Um, my mum's been a, a doctor. Um, in the UK, but it's my dad's sort of ties to Africa that really um, put that connection there. We've got a lot of family friends out there. So yeah, that's a little bit about my childhood. And then growing up throughout my teen years and my university years, I think it was towards the end of school that one of my dad's friends sort of said, you know, we run this company that trains up safari guys in Botswana. Um, would you fancy doing it? one summer maybe and I was like you know that sounds actually really cool and this was by the time I'd you know sort of grown up a bit and I actually wanted to do something you know really interesting with my summer rather than you know spend it with you know some of my friends back here which was good at the time but actually I had an experience of a lifetime to do some guide training so I did that and it was honestly unbelievable I got my Botswana guiding certificate, uh, guiding license, uh, essentially, and um, I think that was probably just after my first year of university that I got that. And um, I just tried to maximise time going out um, to Southern Africa during my time off from university. 
Uh, so I went to the University of Bristol, but you know, time off from university, I went out there, um, and yeah, that's how I got really. That's how I got my came to be a safari guide. So you know, a safari guide is a very broad term. Um, I'm actually a, so a, a field, we call it a field guide, um, and you know, there's different licenses and stuff out there but yeah my one was specific to Botswana so that's where I can do the majority of my guiding work I've also done a fair bit of work for my dad um, and his company I've sort of led clients for my dad in in a lot of different countries actually my sort of speciality is probably um, you know general wildlife but also uh, birds um, my dad's a very keen ornithologist so I've actually been brought up being able to identify pretty much every species of birds in, in southern Africa and actually the UK. Um, so my speciality in guiding is probably general wildlife, photography and birds. Um, and I've taken trips, uh, private clients for my dad um, from countries including Guatemala, Panama, um, most African countries um, and also a few, uh, few other Asian countries including India. So yeah, that's that's my wildlife as- aspect to it. Um, it's very different from the medicine side of things, um, but you know, tying the two together, um, the, you know, there's this very new speciality of medicine that's kind of been coming up in the last few years, um, as you mentioned in your little intro about expedition medicine, and that's something that I think actually I picked up at university. There was a couple of courses in it, and I thought, well. I love the outdoors. I've had probably more experience than most of, you know, growing up in a you know, pristine wilderness environment. And I thought that was something that I could really go into. So yeah, that's a little bit about my, my wildlife aspect. Um, I don't know whether you've got any sort of questions about what I've just, you know, said there. Amazing. So I'm hearing is you, the synergy between uh, Africa and, and medicine, obviously your dad having that business and, your mum being a doctor over in the UK. Um, if I if I ask mate just um, quickly, what's what's your dad's company called? I can also put that in the show notes if you want to let people know about that. Yeah, so um, dad uh, works primarily as a marketing agent um, for various safari companies. Okay. Um, so it's just providing the marketing for the safari companies, um, and it also runs a um, privately sort of guided ornithol. Um, ornithological company called Avian Adventures and um, that's one of the that's his own company and then he also provides sort of marketing um, things for various other safari companies uh, who are based uh, out in southern Africa. Very cool very so, cool well yeah I'll definitely put for people listening I'll definitely you know ne- you never know who's 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 interested in that kind of thing and hopefully you know when when the world and things starts opening up again that that could be something people could look at so yeah that's absolutely brilliant that's absolutely brilliant um i think uh there's obviously a lot to unpack there mate but just quickly if we if we stay on some of that uh field guide stuff obviously we've heard a little bit through the lens about what you're doing and and leading and um how you kind of trained in that um and then what do you find the people actually there that you're looking after are they are they tourists are they enthusiasts are they people working in the industry um have you met some some really interesting people there or do you you know do you meet people that uh you know have have the fortune to be able to afford doing these kind of things and just go for a bit of a trip and then maybe don't 
don't take it as seriously like what's your experience has been with the the customers and the clients you know on the other side after you growing up training in this you know being extremely passionate having family ties with it um yeah what's it what's it been like working with some some of the kind of the paying customers and clients on the other side so so yeah absolutely um so in terms of where i've actually worked as a guide um you know um so i actually in time off from university once i've done my guiding uh got my guiding license i worked as a sort of um assistant field guide from african bush camps um who are one of the biggest um safari companies in botswana and that was you know through ties with my dad and my dad's friends that i got that opportunity and um so the guests that are staying there, you know, Botswana is a very high-end luxury safari destination. Um, uh, the place that I was working is is classed as middle range, but guests are typically sort of paying about high season about thousand dollars a night per person to stay there. So it's um, a very sort of exclusive, uh, high-end um, sort of operation, and um, you typically actually find in Botswana that the majority of customers are American. Um, and they seem to be the ones that have or are willing to spend that amount of money on a, on a safari. Um, so it is a bit of a unique experience. Um, so when I was actually um, guiding for African Bush Camps, it was in 2018. I did it for about 12 weeks in a, in a sort of summer break. Um, and uh, by that time, I was just about approaching qualification as a doctor. And uh, the guests out there found it extremely unusual that I'd, you know, decided to, you know, just come to the wilderness as a doctor and, and you know, be a safari guide for... Because at the time, I couldn't get a work visa in Botswana um, because it's very difficult to do so as a Western citizen uh, to get a job out there. Um, so I was doing it basically sort of for free, apart from board and stuff like that. So they found it very, very weird and very unusual. But, you know, the guests, um, a lot of them are very nice. Um, a lot of them, a lot of the ones that I've dealt with are actually dentists, doctors from America, but you get a lot of CEOs and big business people. So they do expect that the service is, is top-notch and that's, um, you know, absolutely fair enough because they're paying top top dollar to be there you know i've got a few funny stories um i think the thing is that you know some of the organization out there is is can be a bit difficult with the logistics of things you know botswana produces nothing really in terms of food or you know drinks or anything like that it's an important from south africa so you'd have a few funny situations where you know we have these preference sheets from guests as to what they like and you know you have a group of 10 americans coming in and their top preference is that they all like um gin and tonics and then you know one of the kitchen staff the day before they get in says we've got no tonic water and you're like oh my god um so you have a phone, satellite phone base uh, in town who then have to get supply chain in south africa and fly a private private charter out with a load of gin and tonic at the expense of you know thousands and thousands of pounds but um yeah the, gen- the guests are generally nice um i had definitely have had some um, you know, some experiences with guests that I probably want not uh, want to relive. Um, there's a certain type of guest that I probably, you know, shouldn't get into too much detail about, but they just um, disperse. Um, and it's just, I think, um, 
you know, they disperse in the bush, and, you know, you've got to warn them that there are, you know, our camps are unfenced, um, there are wild animals, and a lot of some people will just not listen, and you'll walk down the trail and you'll find one of them deep in the bush trying to take a photo of a butterfly, and you're like, you know, there's, there's a, a resident male left around here, and if you're not careful, it, you know, he could easily take, take your life. So um, you have to be very careful with them. You have to inform them of the dangers and you have to look after them, really. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So do you think, do you think obviously your experience is there and, um, you know, obviously now we fast forward, you qualified a medical doctor, you know, working in infectious diseases and you've done your time in, in A&E and things like that. It sounds like obviously you've got experience in pressured situations out out there Botswana and and obviously you know all around the world like India and things like that too um do you find it's really you know it's really put you in good stead when when the pressure's on in in your role back here in in hospital and then um I know we'll get into the sports medicine stuff I'm really keen to tease that apart in a bit um but uh yeah it obviously sounds like you've you packed a lot into you're 26 years mate but I think if you if you um you know if you've ever sat back and taken stock a little bit do you think it's it's really supported the the people skills side of your as your role as a doctor at all with all of that stuff out in um being a field guide and some of your earlier experiences um yeah it's, it's probably quite difficult to answer that to be fair I think the thing is when you're out in Africa I think you actually the thing that I really love about it is that you actually lose a lot of sense of reality um you know you have certainly in Botswana there's no there's very little phone signal um there's no there's not really much wi-fi at all so you actually lose all sense of reality and then you're just immersed in the world of safari but yes looking after guests can be quite high pressure um especially if you've got guests that are very um you know have high standards high requirements then they can be quite demanding and quite pressurizing. And actually I did find as working as a guide out there that the hours were very long. Um, so you have to wake up at 5 a.m. to get the safari vehicle ready, to pack the guests' lunches, you know, brunch, you know, brunch, um, you know, pack tea and coffee. So you're up very early and then you essentially have to go to bed when the guests go to bed. Um, because we escort the guests to room with a high-powered rifle just for their own safety. Um, and, you know, you have some guests who are obviously there, they want to make use of the time. And I remember being sat till about 3, 3 a.m. with a few guests who were just knocking back the whiskeys. Um, and I was just like, I'm going to get one hour sleep tonight because I've got to be up in a couple of, well, an hour or two to start prepping the vehicle. Um but that, that's, you know, that's part of the job, really, um, that you have to do. So, yeah, it's quite long hours. Um, but I think the pressures are very different. Um, you have a pressure to see, you know, you know, guests, they shouldn't. And the marketing agent or the agent who is selling the safari to guests should never promise sightings. But often, you know, guests have been promised they're going to see leopard in the wild, that promise they're going to be see, see wild dogs in the wild and often you know that that's not always the case so you have got pressure to find the guest animals um because that's your job and you are working long hours but i think it's very different to the pressures that you get as a doctor i think um ultimately as a doctor you have 
you are responsible responsible for people's lives and that's a a very very different responsibility than finding someone an animal to see um but yeah i think you know it's probably it's definitely developed my people skills um and being able to deal with um you know problem customers essentially um because you always have you as guy as a guide you'll always have a difficult a difficult client who you know will, will complain and i think that's probably the same in realistically in healthcare you're always going to have people who are complaining and have high requirements and high standards so i think it's improved my ability to deal with those kind of guys yeah. mm. Mm. no that's really clear yeah thanks for that it just kind of popped into my head that um that thought about obviously some of your experiences out in out as a guide and then obviously some of your early experiences now as a doctor um i think just before we round off that that kind of part of um of uh yeah some of some of the earlier years um were you quite fond of your time at, at bristol is um you know obviously before the call we, we spoke about how um you know we both got worcester warriors in common um i, I did a postgraduate course at um bristol university as well i had a great year there um did you obviously you were traveling in your summers and things like that but um you know did did you enjoy living there obviously students at the moment it's so different with with covid and things like that and um you know it must be tough but um i certainly had a great time there um what like what were your experiences and things when you were at university there yeah i i love bristol to be fair um and um you know it was a great it was a great five years that i was there uh, it's a really nice city I, I find um you know the people there it's very friendly it's a very seems to be a very safe city I, I certainly never had any problems in my time there uh, the university's great um and i think the thing for me is that it was it was close enough to home that i could get home if i needed to be but also further enough away from my you know my home in worcestershire that I felt a bit independent, um, and yeah, I I was sort of involved with um, rugby, medics rugby, and university rugby at Bristol, um, and yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there, um, and I definitely would have applied again if I could. And I think the thing is, had it you know as a doctor to get a first year to your foundation year uh, job in Bristol is, you know, it's extremely, extremely tough and you have to get a really high score to get in there. So I think that puts a lot of people off staying on there uh, after university. And I think if it hadn't have been so competitive, I would have probably applied there first uh, to, to stay on there. But as it was, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get my first job back in, in Worcestershire. So yeah, I, I loved it. It's a great city. Um, it's actually a great city um, for, you know, people who really like wildlife. You know, they've got the, the BBC Natural History Unit there. Um, they, you know, there's a lot of green space in Bristol um, and there's a lot of uh, great sort of wilder areas like the Somerset Levels that are quite close by. Hey, excellent. I didn't know about that. Um, the Yeah, the, the BBC Natural History Unit. That's, that's great. I definitely wasn't wasn't engaging in that kind of stuff when I was there but at least we've got um we've got the rugby in common um which I think is you know be a brilliant segue to to go to go into your, some of your sports medicine work but yeah I played um I played a year there with the with the university and we just got I mean I don't know about your experience we got beaten up by those Welsh universities um that you know that uh the games against Exeter against Bath like I loved it but it uh 
yeah, it was it was it was tough. It was tough. It was probably some like some of the some of the best and like most high pressure rugby I've I've ever played. Um, I definitely look after myself differently now. Um, you know, being thirty to when I was back then, at early twenties, but I wouldn't have changed it. It was um, yeah, it was it was really good to do. Um, I never actually played against the 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 medics team um, in my undergrad in uh, at Birmingham. We used to play when I played for the university there. We used to play the medics fixture quite a lot, which was really fun. Um, but yeah, I never I never played against the Bristol medics when I was there. But um, were you were you, were you involved in? Did you play? Um, a bit for the teams or is it something you supported or, or how did things go back there at the kind of uni rugby level? So yeah, I, I played um, I played mainly medics and um, medics rugby throughout my five five years. I was actually, I did my, I was one of the unfortunate ones in doing my ACL in my last year Whoa. of school. So I was um, a bit out and I, it took me a while to get back into, um, uh, it took me a while to get back into rugby. Um, but by the end of sort of first year, you know, I, was, I was back playing, um, back playing for the for the medics, um, and then in, in my third year, I played for the, played for the university, and yeah, I mean, medics rugby was you know it's quite a good standard, especially like um, for me having not played rugby for a, a decent period of time because of my injury, it was it was good, and actually, yeah. Um, Likewise, with the the Welsh universities, our big rivalry was was Cardiff Medics. Oh and God, they, yeah, yeah. They always were, you know, very very good and always put us a bit of a beating in. Um, but I remember, you know, playing uh, for the university second team against UE, and it was a lot easier, <laughs> a lot easier than some of the some of the Welsh unis. And yeah, I think university rugby was a was a great thing. It, it gets you a lot of, you know, a lot of friends and a lot of contacts and you know actually my probably my better friends from university are the guys that I played um medics rugby with just because you go on socials with them and you'd hang mm. around them you know a fair bit so I I thoroughly enjoyed it um and yeah if you know if I'd had the chance I'd have probably started playing rugby a bit earlier in first year um because I was actually rehabbed at that point of view but um I was just a bit apprehensive about my knee and going back full throttle, um, mm. but I really enjoyed it and um, definitely would definitely would play again um, if I um, was back at university. But being in a like a busy job now, um, a lot of my friends still play rugby, but I just don't have the time, and I think uh, and my knees have enough to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, you know, like you said, you've got to look after yourself physically and then you've got to think about ability to perform in your job and things like that. And um, yeah, I was the same, like the majority of my 20s and things work, work obviously first and um, enjoying not taking the hits and being sore all the time. And um, yeah, I picked up before the pandemic hit, I picked up a bit of rugby again um, through actually yeah, a few a few friends that I used to play with at Bristol playing for a team here in London and yeah, it's good crack if you can, but yeah, you've got to look after yourself. I, I last year I played fixture and slipped my eyelid open, which wasn't great. So then that puts you back, and you think, God, is it even worth it? But yeah, there's bits for me. There's bits of obviously that camaraderie, the physicality, the the you know if people haven't really been used to it before, the changing room crack and all that kind of stuff. It's for me, it's it's quite important, um, especially for the mental health side of things. But anyway, mate, it'll be. 
I think it'd be really good, you know, for for a few more minutes. You've been, you've been really really great with your time, and um, I think you've you know you've you painted a great picture. I know you've obviously you've done so much, and we can't cover everything, but we've got we've got a nice snapshot into your into your early years and your um your field guide work and and some of your experiences as a doctor and tra- and training at um uni bristol and um yeah i think before we round off the conversation it'd be cool to hear a little bit about the sports medicine work because um it's definitely something i haven't really covered on the on the pod before and i think a lot of listeners will be really interested so i think you know most people's experiences about seeing doctors on pitches you know unfortunately will be when players especially in rugby are are obviously injured you know lying on the floor everything serious to people being knocked out or you know broken legs or something quite minor with you know a small laceration a little bit of blood or a cut that has to be patched up so um yeah it'd be cool to spend a few minutes on on how you how you got into things with with the warriors which is obviously your your local club from home and and then some of the some of the work you've been doing um may, maybe this season you know that's a, that's a bit more current that that would be really great sure yeah so um i think the thing is um i throughout university i never really knew what direction my career was going to go in i kind of bumbled along i sat the exams i passed the exams and I had a good time with my mates and playing rugby is really how it went and i wound up in my first job uh in f1 uh, so my first years have been a doctor doing paediatrics, not really doing much. I still didn't know where I was going to go with my career. I still didn't know what speciality I was interested in. And um, I was actually at the pub with a few of my mates and a few of my, because I went to a very, you know, rugby orientated school. A few of my friends uh, had gone on to play for Worcester, um, the academy and the senior team. And one of my friends, Hugh, who had uh, played for Worcester said, um, said you know uh, the uh, doctor at Worcester is pretty uh, it's pretty nice you should give him you know you should contact him um, and see if he'll have you along to just to just shadow him really I thought I thought about it for you know a couple of weeks and I thought well it might actually be a good idea you know I might get a few free you know I might get you know free opportunity to watch some rugby which is really you know what I really enjoy so I was like yeah that'd be that'd be great and might even get a bit of free kit so dropped um the club doctor at an email at the time and he was like yeah just come just come down and you can shadow shadow us on game day and you can shadow me in clinic if you want so went the first went to the first game of the season which i think was against wasps um and just really enjoyed it you know got to watch the rugby got to be involved in a bit of the you know medical stuff see what was going on um and I said, oh, I'll probably come back next week. That's right. And I ended up going to pretty much every game that I could that year and also doing stuff in clinic. And so that's how I really got interested. I was like, you know, I could actually see myself doing this as a, you know, a long-term, a long-term thing. Um, and it was the next year, so my foundation year two, so my second year as a doctor, that actually um, one of the club doctors got a, another job offer from another club. I won't drop which club that was. And um, so the three clubs, three clubs at the time, um, and then the other one retired. So it was actually a benefit factor of a bit of luck. And the club doctor, Nick, said, you know, you've got a, you know, a fair bit of work, a fair bit of work in at the moment. Um, you should probably look at doing some of the pitch side courses that the RFU run. 
so that you can cover some of the academy games. So I did the pit side course and um, within sort of a few months, I was, you know, starting to cover a couple of the academy games. Um, so I started covering those and um, then I, so I set the level two pit side course, which allows you to do anything up to national one level. And then I decided to take a bit of a, a leap and fork out the expense myself to do the level three course, which allows you to do the premiership. Um, and at that point, I was the benefactor of even a bit of more luck uh, because there was, you know, a couple of space, you know, on a premiership game day, you need two club doctors when it's a home game um, to be working. And Nick said, you know, do you fancy doing um, Bath on Saturday? Um, and I said, yeah, why not? I've got the course to allow me to do it. I've got the indemnity that will cover me. Um, so, yeah, and that's, that was my sort of premiership debut. Um, and then I did a few a few games for the Premiership Rugby Shield um, and the, the A-League games um, as, as team doctor. And, you know, it's, I, I must say it's very... Um, quite not intimidating but it's very nerve-wracking when you first start doing it you know you, you worry about every impact because the impacts in men's professional rugby are, it's it's huge um you know and I'm, i was kind of worrying every impact my god they're gonna get injured my god how is he still standing kind of thing but actually the men are pretty robust but even still we've had three what i'd say are life-threatening injuries um in the past two to three seasons at worcester so it is a sport that carries an enormous risk to your body, uh, definitely. Um, I actually find that the harder work probably comes uh, the majority of the time in the academy um, or the, the age group stuff, so especially the under-16s, the under-18s, um, because those you know boys go down a lot easier and a lot quicker um, and are a lot more vague at reporting their symptoms than the men who are, you know, it's their job. They are used to knowing what to do in those scenarios. But often you get a 17-year-old boy who's like, oh, I've got neck pain, which is a really, you know, bad symptom to have if you've taken a, a big knock. Um, and that kind of puts you under pressure to fully immobilize them on a spinal board. But the men will only tell you if they've got neck pain, if it's a very serious thing. So actually probably a lot of the harder work comes from the academy because you actually, you don't have a clear idea of what actually is going on. Um, so yeah, that was me. I, I got my lucky breakthrough there. And then obviously um, March 20, um, 29th, well, 2020, um, along comes COVID and just puts a big halt um, into everything for a few months. Um, so obviously no sport over um, pretty much the spring or the summer uh, for pretty much anybody really. And obviously the season started up in August. Um, I went down to the club a few times to sort of shadow the club doctor again. And um, yeah, I got another another chance to be sort of sole team doctor at away game, which was my first experience of doing so uh, for the pre-season uh, game against Northampton. Um, and that was, you know, a really good experience, but also a very nerve-wracking experience as well, because I was the sole medical doctor in charge of the team that day. It wasn't that I had support from my 
you know, um, from the club doctor, it was just me. So it was quite a nerve-wracking experience. And then since then, it's just been a, a bit quiet because obviously the number of fixtures are quite low at the moment. We've got no academy games going on. We've got no reserve games going on. So I'm just sort of uh, plodding along and waiting for the next sort of opportunity at the moment. But it'll be a lot better when the ACAD starts up again, really. Mm. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's just the, the European games and the, and the Prem games at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Good. Well, look, mate, you know, selfishly, I'd have quite a lot of questions. Cause obviously, I, I started my nutrition career at Worcester and, um, yeah, still follow the team now and still keep in touch with a few of the players and things like that. But I'll save, you know, they're quite niche chats, so I think I'll save that for maybe just doing that with you off off the record or something but um that is brilliant and i think the the main nugget i got out of there that i didn't consider mate was um what you said about the the, the younger players you know like you said if you're used to uh, an athlete who's quite experienced and like you said knows what to say in these high pressured situations calms their breathing down gives you cues relays that kind of very clear symptom symptomatic information over um yeah the younger guys you know i can really see that that can run into a few problems and things so yeah you know it goes without saying you you know you're you're going through a lot of high level problem solving um you know most most days with with a lot of your work mates so um it is brilliant that you've you know you've had the, the time and energy to come and like relay a lot of this stuff on on the on the chat today so yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, I know obviously things are slightly up in the air with the sports medicine work, but um, it would be brilliant maybe ju- just to let the the listeners know, let my, myself know if if there's if there's anything that um, you're looking forward to next year that you're working on um, that you'd like us to know about that I can leave in the show notes before we before we wrap things up, mate. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. Well, um, obviously this year was my year out of training. Um, it's what we call an F3 year. And uh, junior doctors, it's where you kind of, you take the year out of training, you're almost like a free agent. And typically people tend to locum work, so you get a bit better pay and then go traveling for a bit. So I was meant to be going to Kenya for six to eight weeks in, well, this October, but obviously COVID prevented that. You know, it's the thing that I'm kind of really looking forward to or have been looking forward to for a while now is the uh, Lions tour in 2021 and um, I've always had plans to go on that tour um, because I knew it would co- coincide with me taking a year off so I still got plans to go with you know a fair few mates to um, on the Lions tour in South Africa so that's British Irish Lions um, in South Africa 2021 um, going to take a few mates out there do a bit of a road trip in Botswana Namibia and then hit up Cape Town for one of one of the games. Um and before that, if if COVID um uh, if the COVID situation allows, I'm scheduled to be going out to Botswana again to work um with African Bush camps um for a few for a couple of months as a guide again. Um obviously it's you know everything's up in the air at the moment but that's that's my aim and i'm still hoping to go ahead with that luckily botswana has just been added to the uk travel travel corridor um so i'm hoping that should be all right and um you know it's an opportunity to get a bit of a break away from the hospital life which is to be fair i you know i've got to be honest you know i, I spent eight months over the pandemic working in a and um i'm now working in infectious diseases also knowing that the moment's just solely as covid because we're not really getting any other patients to our ward 
um, you know, that um, it, is, it is quite it is quite draining, especially, um, you know, the long hours and also just, you know, during the pandemic, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a solemn time to be working in the hospital. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. So hopefully I get out there for a couple of months, get in hands the bush guiding um, and hopefully have a big, big time with my mates out on the 2021 Lions tour, really. Um, yeah. Excellent. That's... Good, mate. Fantastic. You know, that is, um, yes, yeah, and it's an, it's, an, it's an opportunity for you to, um, yeah, to go and obviously enjoy yourself after what sounds like inc- you know incredible testing year, busy draining tough but um yeah obviously you sound like you're kind of just taking the best step forward as you can every time in your career and and you've done so much so far but you're not obviously shying away from things and you're just trying to you're just trying to crack on which is brilliant and yeah being you know being a rugby fan next year that is going to be colossal talk I, oh, I really hope that goes ahead that is going to be insane there'll be yeah there'll be some there'll be some the physicality will be unbelievable um in in that in that tour so um yeah it'd be interesting one day if you ever manage to um work your way over to team doctor in the lions that could be quite an interesting um scenario but anyway maybe maybe a conversation for another day but james look look fantastic um i know you've got to get on and go and start work and um yeah i've managed to take up a really decent chunk of your time and i think it's it's given people a bit of a window into into what you do and things like that and you know mate the conversation with you is exactly why i started the podcast and um yeah it's fantastic to have you on i'll put your instagram handle in the show notes um for all you lovely listeners i'll put the you've got that doctor in the wild link tree so your your blog and various other things in there i'll pop in there um is is just before we kind of we we end end the episode mate is there is there anything else you'd you'd like me to pop in the show notes or you'd like the listeners to 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 follow along with or keep in touch with um you know um not really but yeah i've I've got the instagram is my main thing doctor in the wild um and yeah a few other bits and bobs uh on my link tree there but yeah it's the instagram that i really kind of keep my keep my stuff updated on so um i keep all my travels on there the only thing obviously is that when i am in botswana or i am in the bush you know it's, there's no internet to update that so you might be following it a few weeks after it's happened because that's when i can upload it but um yeah that's where everything happens for me um and also that's where i put my sports medicine stuff on as well um so yeah just follow that if uh, if you're interested in my my slightly weird um, approach on on medicine and all the other things I do, you know, it's a bit different probably to most other doctors, but I I enjoy it and yeah, I'll keep plugging away and yeah, I mean it's been a difficult year for everyone. Um, it's the first year that I've not myself been away outside of Europe since I was three, so um, slightly slightly lacking on the wildlife. Uh, photographs uh, at the moment but um, yeah looking forward to getting out there looking forward to the return of more sport and um, you know looking forward hopefully to things getting back to normal cool no well look when people do delve in it's it's easy to get lost in your content and you know it provides some welcome escapism and things like that as well if people have never been over to that 
part of the world or seen some of these things so um yeah mate keep continue doing what you're doing and it's um yeah it's 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 all good it's all fantastic so um look as always lovely people thanks for listening i'm nearing the end of season three it's brilliant to have you with me um i'm nearing 150 episodes which is fantastic um and it's it's been great obviously season four will start in january um hoping to work towards that kind of 50,000 listener mark which is yeah it's a real pleasure to bring you show to connect with people like james and if you enjoy it then keep listening keep sharing it's the only way the show will grow speak to you soon